Welcome to the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the birders that pursue them. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Shrobsky Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lesser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. The Birding Life is a lot more than just a podcast. It's a multi-platform resource to connect birders with each other, amazing locations, the best resources, and obviously, where to find amazing birds. Head on over to our website, www.thebirdinglife.com, and be sure to sign up to our newsletter on the site so you do not miss out on any of the exciting things that are coming up. Be sure to follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, and please take some time to rate and comment on it. Can you believe that this is already episode 29? I'm so grateful for everyone that takes the time to listen to this podcast. Your support means a lot. As we head into snake season in Southern Africa, today we'll be chatting about snakes. How to stay safe when birding in areas where snakes are around and a whole lot of great advice for the birder or nature lover. So without further ado, let's get the show started with a very special guest. Okay, so we're recording this in a car. So for those who listen, it's quite a weird thing. It's quite windy outside recording this on the field in a car. Um, today's guest is well-known Durban snake guy, YouTuber, author, public speaker, podcaster, dog rescuer, and he has his own TV show. And on top of it all, he's one of the nicest people who meets. And I'm really proud today to introduce Nick Evans. So welcome to the Birding Life Show. No, oh, thanks, Adam. Appreciate you having me on here. Very cool. Have you ever been interviewed in a car before? Uh, no, not in a car. <laughs> but I'm glad to be in the car. It's cold outside. So he has a question. Um, you love black mumbas. Now, for most people, when they see a black mumba, they run as far as they can away. Um, there's like this fear, that total fear that people have about black mumbas. Is there anything that you're actually scared of? Oh, I'm scared of people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very scared of people. But uh, black mumbas, are, they're really misunderstood. they they don't attack people. They don't chase people. From when, Before I started catching black mambas, I was nervous of them. Uh, I caught other snakes, but that was like the one. Because <laughs> they're bigger, faster, just yeah, more deadly, I guess. But the more I learned about them, when I, I, when I worked at Ushaka, a guy Carl Schlums, he, he was my boss. He taught me how to work with him. And from that, I learned a lot and I was more confident. Then when I started doing snake removals full-time, um, I just wanted a mamba core, and eventually I got one, and I got a few more, and then I quickly learned that the snake isn't so evil and aggressive and dangerous, and, you know, people make them out to be really scary, mm. but I've just found all they want to do is get away from you. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, birding is often seen as a little bit of a weird hobby. Um, yes. You know, it's almost like that, you know, you speak about it in hushed terms, what are you, I'm a birder. But I think birding is a little bit easier to explain than herping, where you literally chase after snakes. I mean, most people want to get away from snakes, and herpers chase after snakes. You know, where did this love for snakes start, and you know, how did this journey start? So ever since I can remember, I was interested in wildlife, um, and then I started watching Steve Owen, the crocodile hunter, and I just watched him with his passion and enthusiasm, and. I thought, oh, I want to be like that. <laughs> so um, I started catching snakes in the garden and uh, we'd put 
um, news uh, adverts in the newsletter at my school for snake removals. And like after school, my mom would drive me around <laughs> to <laughs> homes and catching snakes, and um, and it just yeah grew from there. Um, over over time, I got more interested in frogs as well. So like when I met my wife, I said to her, I like to go frogging and a bit <laughs> weird, you know. <laughs> so yeah. And and like like birders, we know we we all have lifeless. Do yes. do herpers actually have lifeless? Uh, it's not a big thing. Some guys do, but I I couldn't tell you what my list was on. I don't. Yeah. And is there any snake that you like? Oh my word! I just want to see that snake. Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's, yeah, I mean, there's a black spitting cobra on the west coast. There's the Fisk's house snake in Northern Cape. Yeah, there's a lot. So yeah, I think I think what a lot of people think of snakes, it's uh, I know growing up, I was like really scared of snakes. I mean, I asked a funny story. I told you the story. I went. I used to live up in Mandini on the north coast in in KZN, and oh, there's the little game reserve outside. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's in Gwenya Game Reserve or something. Anyway, and we went to I went to the toilets, and I think there was like this um, python or something on top of the toilets. I actually ran. For about three kilometers and there's this there's this real stigma attached to snakes i mean people are so scared of snakes um you know in southern africa south africa how many species of snakes are there and then how many of those are actually venomous um so well it's probably about 150 or there's about 170 in southern africa um and there's about 20 or so that will do serious damage um but i mean like like the majority of snakes people encounter are generally, well, often harmless. Um, not generally, but often harmless. Um, like most of the calls I get around Durban are for harmless snakes. Mm. Yeah. But it depends on what area you go to. And then which is, which is one snake that if you, you know, which is one snake that you wouldn't want to handle? That just like, it's a, bit, a little bit scary. Well, um... With puff adders, you generally don't need to grab them behind the head unless there's something wrong with them or maybe it's stuck or something. But I have done it before and I don't enjoy that. Or or a gaboon adder, I wouldn't want to grab that snake behind the head. Mm. Uh, they're easy to deal with otherwise, but if you had to grab it behind the head, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> and then um, you you married in that type of thing. How does your wife find a passion for snakes? I mean, you know, I know you were into snakes before you got married. Yeah. How does she find... This passion, because I can imagine every time you go out, I mean, you, you let's be real, you're going as a snake catcher, a snake rescuer, after black mumbers and that. I mean, you literally, mm -hmm. you're putting your life at risk every time you go out. I mean, yeah. you know, how does she find this this love of snakes that you have? Um, well, she trusts me, like, not to get injured. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, she's embraced it, like, half our house has got snake cages and... Um, like our weekend plans are always getting messed around by having to go catch snakes or we go out looking for snakes or yeah oh no she's embraced us yeah <laughs> and then you know then you've obviously done many many snake rescues i know you've got some really cool stuff online but which in your memory would you say is the scariest snake rescue you've, you've done mambas and roofs are always challenging um you know you've got to crawl around on the beams chasing them and I mean, sometimes you get into such a tight space that, yeah, those are those are probably the most dangerous situations. Also because you can fall through. <laughs> um, mambas and trees are also not 
not that fun. <laughs> well, they're fun afterwards, but <laughs> at the time you worry. And, and then, <laughs> and then we spoke about this. I don't know. You know, we don't want to go too much into it, but you know, we, we were actually having a chat before about you know, there's a lot of snake poaching and that kind of thing, yes. and illegal trade yeah. of snakes. And that you know, how serious is the problem in 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 South Africa at the moment? Um, yeah, no, it, we've got a big problem with it at the moment. Um, there's guys that will poach rare species. Mm. Um, or they'll export species that aren't so rare, like banded rinkhouse. The banded rinkhouse, which we get in the Midlands, mm. um, it's not a species, it's just a color variation. That's very popular, and guys like to export those. Green mambas, they seem to like selling. And it, it, it does have an effect. You know, the, the dwarf adders in the Cape, those are often poached. Um, yeah, a lot of snakes. It's very frustrating. Um, anything rare just gets taken. Mm. Not by obviously not by everyone. There's just a few individuals. Um, so like it's like in the birding community, we share locations and we well, can't really do that with snakes mm. and and even other, and specific lizards can't do that. Yeah. And in terms of cultural misconceptions in South Africa, I mean, yeah. I, I can imagine. There must be, you know, must again. Uh, there's there's a lot of myths around snakes, and not just the fear, but there's there's literally myths around these snakes. Oh, yeah. You know, how, how, you know, what are some of these misconceptions that people have? Because there are a lot of people that listen to the show from yeah. overseas, and what kind of misconceptions do you have to deal with? And you know, how do you deal with that on a on yeah. a practical level? Because I know you do a lot of education around yeah. snakes and that kind of thing. There are many different myths and beliefs in all cultures all over the world. I work a lot with Zulu communities here, and I've learned about some of the myths. A lot of them I've learned are stories made up by like elders to scare the children so they don't go and mess around with snakes. Mm. They're trying to protect the children. Um, so they'll tell them, like, if you make eye contact with the snake, it'll kill you. Sure. Or So there's a lot like that. There's a lot of misunderstandings. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a story of a snake with seven heads. Unfortunately, a picture goes around on social media of a king cobra with seven heads, which is obviously photoshopped. But a lot of people see it and and think it's real. Mm. Um, yeah, there's that's why education is really important. It's it's good to help people understand what's true and what's not true. So if you already see a seven seven headed snake, you'd like to see it. <laughs> well, I had a phone call once for it, but it was like Friday night. You know, I think <laughs> I think she'd been drinking. <laughs> So you spoke about this earlier that, you know, you asked you what he's scared. We spoke about the people fact. I think um, you're, you've really, your name is very well known. I mean, you've got a, a podcast that you do with East Coast Radio. Mm. You've got a YouTube um, channel. You're quite a, a social media sensation. You've got <laughs> a, a TV show and, and all these things. Um, you know, you're very well known, um, not just in KZN, where, where we're from, but probably around the country. You know, just on a personal note, how have you managed the fame that comes with this? Because, I mean, everyone in, uh, you know, I can go to someone who knows nothing about conservation or snakes and everyone knows who Nick Evans is. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's almost like you're this quiet person, uh, probably an introvert. How, how do you deal with the, the fame that comes that comes with your, your, public, your public profile? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, just trying to stay humble, I guess. Um, mm. I I don't like arrogant people, and people tend to get arrogant when they mm. get well known. And I don't know. Yeah, I just try and stay humble and <laughs> carry on. But but what what is actually the thing like on a on a personal? I don't know. If this is a conservation. What is yeah. the thing that you would say 
that keeps you grounded because you know something I've noticed with you and we had you at a conservation fest about three years ago and you know I've, I've got to know you over the journey and one yeah. thing that I've really been impressed with you is that you've never changed you've never yeah. you know there's so many people that you meet them two years ago and man the, this person's awesome three years later they've got a they get 10, 10 likes on their Facebook accounts. Almost all of them, they think they, they, that the sun shines yeah, out their, yeah. their backsides. You know, how, what is the thing that has kept you humble? What, what keeps you grounded? It's just raised like that. My grandpa was very, I don't know, he always kept me grounded, I guess. And, mm. um, yeah, I just, I also, I don't like those people. <laughs> so I didn't want to be like that. And I always try not to be like that. Mm. So, yeah. And then besides chasing off the snakes and what what other hobbies do you do? I know we're going to chat about your the fact that you're a birder a little, <laughs> in a while, but what other hobbies do you have besides natural stuff? What else What else do you enjoy doing? <laughs> Not much else. <laughs> I like going looking for frogs or, or going to the game reserve. Um, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> I like being in the bush. Yeah. And <laughs> something that I always laugh, I always ask you about this, um, do you ever actually wear shoes on a snake rescue? Yeah. I mean, every time it's like, I know that's, it's like the comments going to come somewhere in the comments. Uh, yeah. Nick, why don't you bring shoes? Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I'll wear, like, I've got boots. I've got two pairs of safety boots and I'll wear them if if I've got time. But often, like, I'm, maybe I'm outside in the garden or something or I'm in the shops and I get a call for a mamba and it's, like an urgent, I need to be there urgently, it's an emergency, so I just run out, I just, I, I kick my slops on, and then I go, um, so it's not that I, I choose not to wear boots really, it's just the rush, um, but slops, I mean, it's, they allow for agility, and I mean, also in Durban, it's hot, so like, you don't want boots on all day. <laughs> now I'm saying in KZN, I think if you wear clothes shoes, um, yeah, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. You, need, you need some help. Yeah. So I spoke about the fact that you're also a birder. Um, you know, how did that, how did birding start? And that was a bit, a little bit more of a recent hobby. Um, yeah, and I only started birding, I think, like 2015, maybe. Mm. Um, actually, a whole lot of friends of mine went to look for uh, the Eurasian bittern and stanger, which I think Junior saw. And I, I thought, oh, I'll go with just to see what it's like. And that experience, actually, I was hooked after that. Um, seeing all the different birds and learning about them. I mean, I was always interested in birds, but it was more birds in the garden or if you go to the game reserve. And not every single bird we'd stop mm. for, you know. But now it's like every bird. <laughs> and, yeah, the birding bug bit me quickly. And, no, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's quite dangerous. I mean, I know some people listen to this podcast might not be birders. But, you know, I think I've always said to people, you know, be careful about trying it out because it's it's one of those things that it makes absolutely no sense. You know, you know, yeah. for those older folk listening, just excuse what I'm about to say right now. But, you know, it's almost like you have this perception in your mind about a bunch of old fogies <laughs> sitting in khaki clothes. I think you do wear khaki clothes. I do wear khaki clothes. But, uh... and, and, and just being quiet for like the whole day. And it's like it just makes no sense. And you try it out and it's like this. It's it's like an adrenaline rush. I mean, seeing uh, we're talking about the African emerald cuckoo I got to see this weekend, yeah. and it's like, you know, seeing a, a rare bird is like insane. Hi, my name is Chris, and I'm the host of the brand new Birding Life Youth Podcast, the show where we dive into the minds of the young birders in our world and find out what makes them tick. 
We will be launching this Saturday at 6pm South African Standard Time and I am excited to announce that my first guest is Daniel Engelbrecht. We will be having a good chat about some embarrassing moments as well as many other topics related to birds. So I want to encourage you to please listen to this podcast. You know, you've obviously, uh, you know, well, having you on social media and that type of thing, I've seen you've you've done quite a quite a few cool twitches. You've gone to chase some really cool birds. What is what has been the, you know, you, you spoke now about the, the Eurasian bittern, but what has been some of the what has been the most exciting? What has been that that twitch that just stands yeah. out in your mind? Uh, the golden pipit in um, Itala, up in northern KZN. That was cool. Uh, that was like my first proper one. Um, left Durban, I think, one in the morning. Mm. Met up with Ian Gordon, and we went together. And it was like driving the gate, and it's right there. <laughs> so that was cool, and it's a beautiful bird. Stunning. Um, also, the is it a frigate bird or frigate? Frigate. Frigate bird. Frigate, yeah. I think I'm saying it yeah. right. I hope we're saying oh, it right. Yeah. Um, so the frigate bird was cool. Also, just watching its behavior, it was just such an amazing more weird bird mm. but yeah those two those two are the standout ones it's unusual just talking about the frigate bird it's kind of interesting how there's all these little these bird names i mean if we got it wrong someone's going to tell us just yeah, just yeah, let you yeah. know that yeah. um but you know what i thought was quite in interesting having you on the show is you know birders obviously we go into places where where snakes are yes. and we're not we're going into snakes habitat and we're sitting right near the palm meat um, nature reserve which I think is quite a few snake species there's, here. There's a lot. Um, you know, you know. Basically, we go into snake territory. Um, firstly, what do we do? What are some practical things if we come in contact with a snake? And I, you know, I especially think of things. And I mean, I've, you know, one thing about getting to know you, I think my fear of snakes has gone away. I have a lot more respect for them. Um, I mean, I remember I was telling you the story a while ago. We were up in Mtanzania and we saw a, a green mamba. And I mean, I told you the story about running two kilometers from another snake. The difference between actually getting to know you is when I saw it, I was actually, I stopped, took photos of, there was, there was, there wasn't, there was a respect and I, yeah. I didn't, I wasn't stupid, but there was, the fear wasn't there. But at the same time as saying that, you know, one of the fears I do have is if I'm walking in the bush and I come across a black mamba, and again, it's probably a lot of the fear I have is, is related to stories that people have shared that are probably maybe a bit fictitious and mm. stretching the truth and that. So, you know, maybe looking at, thinking of a couple of species, I know you've got puff adders and you get cobras and there's mumbas, whatever, you know, what, 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 what should we do as birders or nature lovers if we, if we come in contact? I mean, obviously if we just, something's on the side, it doesn't affect us, but you know, if we come into contact, what is, what, on a practical level, what, yeah. what do we do? Well, it, <laughs> Snake safety really, and I tell people like homeowners, uh, it, it's fairly simple. Just move away slowly. Um, just leave it alone, firstly. Um, there's some guys, even people that go out in nature that kill snakes. You know, you kill a snake, you're asking for trouble. But like for a birder who doesn't kill snakes, you're walking in the bush and you see a snake maybe two, three meters in front of you, Try to keep still, maybe, <laughs> but I, I, I don't like saying that to people because most people don't keep still. <laughs> um, but the best thing really is just move away slowly. Um, if you're terrified of snakes, just you just need to try and remember that it's not going to attack you. Mm. It's it, you feeling fear. It's also feeling fear. It's, it's mm. terrified. 
Um, and I see that a lot with the snakes I catch. Like you can almost see the fear in their in their face almost. Um, so uh, I mean, yeah, if you can move away slowly, that'll be good because slow movements don't freak the snake out. Mm. Fast movements freak them out. But in saying that, most of the time, like in the palmetto, I've spent my childhood growing up in here looking for snakes, and usually the snakes I see here are disappearing. Mm. Um, when a snake senses you coming, they move. You normally just see the tail end. So I've seen mambas in here, I just see the tail. <laughs> well, I've seen one or two in the trees, but yeah, generally they'll get out your way. But if you do see one, just move away from it, and uh, like you mentioned, treat them with respect, and... Yeah, don't go close. You can take photos, enjoy the mm. sighting, but just don't go too close. Are you are you basically showing the snake, as I understand that you 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 basically showing it that you're not a threat? By yeah, by moving away, you showing you showing the snake you're not a threat. And and when I was growing up, and you know we are taught, I was told this by people, and there's people I've I've been told this many times, you know. Every snake's cool, this, but there's one snake you ought to watch for black mumbas. That thing's yeah. gonna chase you. Yeah, no. Do do black mumbas actually like chase you? Are they like no people say they're super territorial? If you just like just put your toe into the territory, you yes. you you finished. I mean, do they? Are, are, is a black mumba gonna chase you? Well, I work with a lot and all kinds of different situations. Sometimes they, there's males fighting for a female. Sometimes there's a mating pair. They're in the roof. They're in the bush. Or cornered somewhere in a house. I've never had one come at me. Mm. Never had a mamba chase me, attack me. I've had one or two turn around and try and strike because I've grabbed their tail or something. Mm. But I've never had one just look up and look me in the eyes and start chasing me or or anything like that. So no. if you see one, don't try to grab his tail. In other words, no, <laughs> don't. You probably won't be able to. They're so quick. But, I, um, yeah. I I actually remember the one of the one of the rescues you did, which actually took the fear of. Um, a little bit of the fear of mumbas away. There was it was a house. I, I think it might have been in Newlands. Okay. And there was actually a black mumba under the bed. And you actually, I remember on the post you read them. I mean, these people were sleeping in the, in the bed. Uh, it's quite a while ago. And okay. I, 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 it's always stuck in my mind. And you almost you almost spoke about this. I mean, this thing was just deadly. I mean, you just get in yeah. the bed, thing would have taken you out. It was, it's crazy. I mean, you've we, done hundreds of rescues. So well, we we get a lot in in weird places like bedrooms kitchens, um, all over, you know, in the car. Um, and uh, it always amazes me how mambas don't bite people. I mean, in Durban, we've got almost 4 million people. They do bite people. But this year so far, we know of one bite. Hmm. You know, in, in an area of almost 4 million people and lots of mambas, one bite. Last year, I think we had two. And the one was a guy picking it up. Hmm. So... They, it just shows you they're not out to get people. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah, I think I think the interesting perspective. I think we spoke about the wagtail um, when I still had the fear of snakes. I mean, if we walk through palm meat or a place which is probably quite rich in snakes, you probably are coming within a couple of meters of a snake at least oh, yeah. at least one time in that walk. And the fact that you're not getting taken out by a mamba, which is, I mean, you're probably coming within close mm -hmm. proximity of a mamba. And you're not being taken up by one. I mean, it just shows, that, like you said, that they're not out to get you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure every birder, without realizing it, has been within a couple of meters of probably a deadly snake. And it yeah. hasn't taken them out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like puff adders, uh, it's maybe one you need to be a bit more wary of because they often don't move. Mm. But um, they've all, they're also will often not bite, even if you step next to them. Because 
they just I mean we had I had a call for a puff header recently where it was almost tucked under the grass in the lawn and I reckon you would have stepped over that I think the woman did step over it she thought so too didn't bite if they feel like really safe then they most likely won't bite mm. but I mean you you never know but yeah you just got to watch your step and then um, on a practical level um, I mean I'm walking the bush almost every single week what are some practical things that birders can do or just nature lovers when you if you're going to be out in the bush to avoid getting bitten by snakes i mean i, I know we've spoken about what to do if you encounter a snake but you know stuff like you know is it should you wear is you know is there a certain way you should like wear long pants rather than short pants um, you know what are what are some practical things that you can do i mean to, to yeah. avoid getting bitten by a snake well wearing boots or clothes shoes obviously does help even though i don't do it i feel mm. very hypocritical Wearing long pants will help. I don't wear long pants, but, <laughs> but you, you you probably should. So, so do what do do what you say, not what you do. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean those those will help. Um, keep an eye on the path. I know this bird is looking up, but but just keep an eye on the path now and then. Um, maybe if you're walking in bush where you can't really see in front of you, it's good to have a stick and just mm. knock it around in front of you. If I'm walking in thick bush, I can't see. I like to have a stick in front of me. Just to try and, if there is something there, just move it out the way. And then, yeah, I mean, some people will come here, like to Palmeet, and be terrified of snakes. And they, they, they want to go off that, there's a little concrete trail here. And they don't want to go off that no, because of the snakes. But we we just need to try and remember, as I've mentioned, like, they don't want anything to do with us. So don't let them ruin your experience in the bush, mm -hmm. you know. Just enjoy it and don't worry too much about them. And then um, if somebody does happen to get bitten by a snake in, in, the, in the bush now... I know, see, this is the challenge I've always had with this. Everyone says, no, identify the snake and that yes. kind of thing. And, 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 and to be honest with you, for a lot of people who are in the bush, they might not know what snake has bitten them. Yes. Definitely. You know, how, what, 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 what do you do? If a snake bites you in the bush, what practically do you do? I mean, I know people talk, used to say, you tie something around it. Some people would remember the old story, sucking the poison out. Yeah. You know, what, but what do you do? What is the right thing to do? So I actually found an old snake bite kit the other day. Well, someone gave it to me and I was, I was looking at it and, it, it said you must put a tourniquet on. It came with anti-venom. You inject yourself with that. And then you you also cut and pour some crystals. And sounds, <laughs> more, you, sounds more painful than that. Yeah, no, I think you'll die from that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you don't do that. If the snake bites you and disappears and you don't know what it is, it's, it's not the end of the world. Doctors treat your symptoms. Mm. And from your symptoms, they can also figure out what's, what snake most likely bit you. Um, if you can take a photo, it helps. But some people, they love to... To catch the snake or kill it mm. and like people walk into hosp hospital with a bottle with a snake in it and that's not good that's when another bite's going to happen mm. so if you can take a picture that helps um but otherwise i mean snake bite really the most important and only thing to do is get to hospital as soon as possible mm. can't waste time if you're not sure maybe the snake that bit you wasn't venomous but don't sit around and wait because then you're wasting precious time if it was a venomous snake so it's all about getting to hospital as quickly as possible don't use a tourniquet especially if the snake was like a puff adder and you put a tourniquet it's just going to cause more damage mm. try not to move with birders i guess it's difficult but if you can if a car can come to you rather if possible mm. maybe with a friend with a car um the less movement the better but that's always a bit tricky people yeah. some people say you must try and Try and relax. I know it's quite difficult to snake, it, but you just close your bloodstream on that top thing. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, relaxing helps. Or, or mm. 
it, like if your friend's been bitten, try and keep them calm. Mm. Um, that that's probably more helpful because I got bitten by a snake once, um, a green mamba, and I panicked. <laughs> so it's it's easy to say, but um, but it, I think it would help if you if you got someone with you that calms you down. Mm. Yeah, you know? I think it's advice we're going before. I, I like going out birding by myself, but it is good as much as you can to have someone with you just yeah. from, for for that safety factor. If you get bitten by a puffy and you're up in Drakensberg walking around, it's and you're by yourself, it's not great. Yeah, I always keep a phone. I've got a friend that lives here. He always walks in the reserve with no phone, and it's yeah. If you, yeah, you, it's it's better to have someone yeah. in case someone needs to run off to find help. And then yeah, just the just the last question. You've Nick, you've achieved so much in your <laughs> your 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 life. I mean, like we spoke about all the stuff you've done. What does the future look like for you? What you know what. What 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 does the what what I what plans do you have going forward in terms of yourself and yeah. where do you see yourself five years ten years from now? I don't know. <laughs> Just focusing like now, you know, COVID is it's been really hard because um, I like I make my living off mm. educating people and that's a bit more tricky. Um, but next month it looks like we're doing a season two of our TV show Snake awesome. Season, so it looks like we're going to start filming next month. Uh, I want to push for it to be on mm. our first season to be online, but we'll see. And then, yeah, just, I, I want to keep up with the education work because I've seen so many times of, of why it's so important. Mm. So I just want to keep up with that. Um, we've got ongoing research projects. Like with Black Mambas, we're microchipping Black Mambas in certain valleys around Durban. Um, that's just a lot going on, I mm. guess. Just a lot. Um, and we'll see. Yeah, That's awesome. But what we'll do is Nick will post um, we'll post links to all your social media stuff and I encourage people you know give Nick a follow. Um, really post you post a lot of informative stuff, some yeah. really cool videos, and I know that uh, season two of the TV show will hopefully be coming up quite soon. But yeah. you've done some amazing things, and I think you know one thing about yourself is just shows you know I'm sure when you're back in school, a lot of people if you said we're going to be now they probably think you're pretty nuts, but you just followed your dream and. It's your your story. I think has inspired a lot of people. So just Thanks. you know, not just the snakes. I think just you as a person, and I think just just encourage me to keep on going. It's it's awesome. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks a lot. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Bird Enough project and the resources that we are putting out please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website, www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a life list while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.